Welcome to the Old Cow Podcast, where two women over 50 living in different countries and their weekly guests from around the world dig deep into life after 40 and ask themselves, how can we stop others from thinking of us as old if that's how we see ourselves? From real talk about everything from what is annoying about aging, the weird things that begin happening to our bodies as we age, what healthy aging is, how dating and sex is different in the second half of life, the latest fashion trends for any age, beginning a new career, what love looks like as we age, starting over, and real talk about politics and current events through an older and more experienced lens. Nothing is off the table in this refreshingly honest, fun podcast. Here are your hosts, real-life friends, Jill and Ava. Today we welcome Catherine Esty, a recently retired psychotherapist, a widow, a mother of four grown sons, a grandmother, and an activist for aging well, who is on a mission to dispel myths about old age. And I say, thank God. We are trying to do the same thing at Old Cow. And it's not that easy, actually, to find people who talk about this kind of stuff or to find the information about how great aging can actually be, as opposed to the way society portrays aging to us, which I think is very scary, actually. Um, And to that point, Catherine. We have been reading about you and see that you said, I couldn't find a single self-help book written for people in their 80s. Is that what prompted you to write your first book? And is that your first book? It seems like you've written other books. Well, I'll talk, take the second question first. And good morning. Um, yes. Good morning. Uh, uh, Sorry, I'm have, so rude. Rude New Yorker. Sorry. So I'm going to answer with the yes, I have written other books. Uh, this is my fourth book, actually. And uh, while I didn't and no, I didn't really start with the idea of uh, writing a book. I started uh feeling being in uh, when I turned 80 it was kind of a uh, an event because I was kind of went into a funk and it all happened the day I went on a hike with some of my grandchildren up, up a small mountain and I kind of it was rainy it was muddy I fell in the mud I, I got upset I when I and I was tired when we got to the the steep part which is not I had climbed many times in my life but this day I, I got there and I was tired and I said oh I'm 80 I'm getting old and I was I just sat down on a stump and I realized everybody else went up the mountain to uh, get the beautiful view and have lunch and it was a sort of an aha moment when I realized I wasn't going to be able to do everything I had before. And I had to come to terms with it. I was getting older. I was, well, I had to say it even more strongly than that. It wasn't I was getting older. I was old. And I had to realize I couldn't do everything. And I, uh, at that point, I said, well, there must be somebody that knows how to do 80 and that's when I started looking for uh, good books about people in their 80s, and I realized nobody had written about it. And I thought that came, and so it, your question was sort of true. It was then when I realized nobody had written about people in their 80s that I decided to write a book and then decided to interview people. And by the time I started interviewing, uh, my funk went away. I was so having so much fun. I was meeting such interesting people and I got interviewed people all around the country and no longer uh, my kind of a, a funk went to disappeared and I had a purpose and uh, life looked better right then. Um, just quickly, if I could ask you, you said something interesting that you were old. 
Did you say that to yourself when you were turning 80? Had you already said that to yourself? Because, you know, people throw that around very easily. The word old, I'm old, she's old. What do you have a definition of old? Is it a number even? Does it, is it connected to age? Is it a mindset? Do you have an opinion about that? No, I think I uh, was like most people dreading being older or old. I think we all have uh, a lot of uh, stereotypes in our head about what old means. I mean, I thought of my grandparents who had, of course, been born born in the 19th century and they, you know, their their old age was not a, a, a pleasant experience for most of, for three out of four. Two of them ended up with broken hip, one a stroke and one a broken hip and in bed for years. So I did have an image that being old was not pleasant. But I also thought everyone would always say to me, oh, Catherine, you look so young and, you know, you are so active. So I was sort of feeling like, well, uh, and I could do push-ups. So, uh, that you know, that it, I must be not old. But I've, what has changed in me with my work and the kind of uh, writing the book, it, uh, what changed was I want now people to feel old is good and that we don't want to just to stay young we want to find out what old can be and to be real not to to be authentic and not to spend our last years chasing something that we can't have is which is to be 20 uh, but to make our peace and to see what is what are the riches and the gifts of uh, being old and being in that stage so it's it's redefining it reframing it and that's what i've done in the last now that's i it started for me in a when I was 80, but you know, I'm 88 now. So I'm at another stage um, of looking over the horizon and and 90 isn't so far away anymore. And that's another uh, stage, another uh, kind of event. But it's just a number, right? I mean, do you see that? Or do you say, no, it's not just a number. I mean, it's okay to say I'm getting old. I mean, older, obviously, but you don't think, oh, I'm going to be 90. I'm going to be old. Don't you think it is really just a number? You could be one way and someone else 88 could be in bed right now. No, I don't think it is just a number because I think there is a reality that the human life has a, has stages. And I think that, that, you know, it's different when you're 20 and when you're 40 and when you're 60 and when you're 80. It's not all just a number. But I think the number doesn't... Uh, doesn't determine anything, but I think our life goes through stages and we need to be however, I mean, I think I liked the story of Gloria Steinem when she was 40 and people said, oh my goodness, Gloria, you don't look 40. And she said, this is 40. So I say this is what uh, 80 is, or this is now I'm what 88 is. So, um, and we just have to stop seeing old as a horror i mean we like old you know certain old furniture old jewels you can see that lots of things being old is not a bad state it sounds catherine as though um if climbing the hill at the age of 80 at that stage you thought oh hang on i'm i'm don't feel as able as i used to it it sounds as though you've been a, a particularly fit person and perhaps you've you've um taken care of yourself perhaps more than than others do i mean i'm in my late 50s and i can do two flights of stairs and think oh i feel so old and because this is this is what we expect when we reach our our bigger numbers but is it is it the case that your book is is a good a good way of forward planning so that people prepare themselves for the big numbers 
Well, that's a very good question. Now, my book, what it is, is I didn't know what it, what was possible when you're in your 80s. And I didn't know what living the good life in your 80s would be. And I didn't know what the transitions and the challenges would be. So my book was trying to answer the question, what is life really like when you're in your 80s? And so I wanted to interview people that were totally different, different parts of the country, different races, different economic classes, ethnicities, religions, and um, to get what their daily life, what it would the experience uh, of how they experience life and that. And so in the book, I look at things like um, uh, their attitude toward age, but I also look at the attitude toward uh, time and do people plan way ahead in the 80s? And it turns out that people, you know, really live more in the present because they don't want to plan. And when you're in your 80s, you don't say, well, in 10 years, I think I'll take a trip to, to England. You kind of have to keep plan it for the next year because you're not that sure you'll be around. Sure, so sure. Things yeah. change. And I'm, I'm trying to capture what changed and the important things people uh change uh, and what make, gives them pleasures. And so I looked at the transitions, many people downsize in their 80s. And so I kind of looked at how that experience is and what makes, uh, you know, how people, and I found out that the amazing thing that I had no expectations at all was that how happy people in their 80s are by and large unexpectedly happy. They find themselves, they think they're, when they're 50, they think they're gonna be miserable and you can be attest to this uh but when they're you're in their 80s people have learned how to savor what really is and they have all kinds of possibilities so it's well that's what my book did try to and the, the chapters are on things like friendship uh survival skills wisdom kind of all the kind of looking at what people think about and what people uh face as challenges the losses they face and the and the pleasures, the gifts of being um, old. Okay. Would, would It sounds as though um, it, this would be a good read for children and grandchildren of older people. Would I be right? Exactly. That was my audience, but also for the people in their 80s themselves. But because it talks about dementia and it talks about uh, managing uh, grief and uh, it's written with uh, two audiences in mind, the children and grandchildren of people in their 80s to kind of demystify what uh, it, the experience actually is. And I think you may have seen it yourselves that the difference between the 50 generation in, in the pandemic compared to the 80s, that, that often the 50 people were more panicked, more anxious. And uh, my generation, we live with challenge and people dying around us. It's so that we, I think on the whole, now some people were very, uh, uh, very, very cautious. But I think, uh, for, in my experience, and the research shows there's a couple of uh, very good articles about how people in their 50s were more cautious than um, the, the older people who, in fact, were more vulnerable. Oh, that's really interesting. So did you feel that way when it came along? You you felt less fear than those in, in, their, yeah, in their 50s? Yeah, I was kind of yeah, I was kind of sorry. My kids that live near my kids and grandkids that live nearby, they said, oh, don't come over because we don't want to give you anything. And I yeah. kind of missed them for, you know, I didn't see them. Finally, we got so we would have little uh, gatherings out in their driveway. And it was so nice to see them. And I yeah. was less afraid. I want, I, but to me, the value of, and I think now that we're learning that about uh, 
that uh, you can't keep older people were locked away, you know, many of us were, but in the nursing homes, for instance, they didn't let a family in and people died without their family, which is really, really tragic. So I think yes. now nursing homes, you know, they've changed it. They can't, they're not allowed to keep family away. And I think we've seen that we need our connections so much that this is what uh, life is about is those uh, relationships. And so uh, I'd rather run the risk of getting sick than be separated for two years from my, you know, my kids, my grandkids, my, uh, and I was lucky to, that I had a partner for the pandemic, but um, many people were so alone and um, that will never happen again, I think. People did comment at that time, you know, that all generations were saying, you know, this is not good for the older people. It's not good for us because we can't see our mother, we can't see our grandparents. But of course, the laws certainly over here, and I, I assume over in the States, meant that there was that there was no breaking that rule and people were restricted to such a degree that it, it made an awful lot of people extremely unhappy. Yes, absolutely. And I think now we, they, we've, and what we learned so much, we learned a couple of things that, that uh, as a social psychologist, we learned that we, we learned how the impact of uh, social isolation, because not only was it sad if people died without their family, but we learned that people uh, get sick when they're isolated, that, you know, they found out that, uh, you know, you're 30 more percent more likely to uh, get uh, to die if you've been isolated for a long while. It's not good for the human beings and we're, we're social animals. And I think we've learned that now in a way that uh, dramatically. And we also learned that <coughs> there uh, there is, um, you know, you can be uh, lonely is another uh, thing that is not good for your health and that people are seeing that that is a little different than social isolation because you can be lonely and living in a crowd um, or a lot of people, but being lonely is this subjective kind of experience of not being with people that really fulfill you, you're, the people you care about. And, you know, the a Surgeon General had and I had already before the pandemic declared an epidemic of loneliness in this country. And they actually are seeing this as a public health issue and that loneliness uh, is, for, you know, partly from living alone, but partly from being separated from uh, or not finding any people that you, to be with that really uh, are you, you're in relationship with. So we've learned more than we knew before the pandemic and hopefully will do things to kind of uh, mitigate against people being either lonely or just socially isolated when they don't want to be. Let's hope so. That's that's interesting, Catherine. Thank you. You said that when you reached 80, you noticed several small annoying changes in your body. And that makes me nervous because I'm in my 50s and I already noticed that. But yeah, um, I you have elaborate? those annoying things too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Define annoying, Catherine. What, well, what annoying did you notice? Is well, I think when you can't do some of the things that you wanted to do, and somehow the, you're, you know, I think we can. Uh, I've, I think, have made my peace and be I'm much less vain than I was. And I think that it just that happens as you age, so that you are able to tolerate things that you wouldn't. But uh, I know when I first got to my retirement community, I'd see people. People have a lot of skin things now, and you know, minor skin cancers, and they have to get 
have bandages and have these minor uh, procedures, but it means that at any given time, people have bandages on their nose, bandages all over their face. And, and um, but I remember seeing one person that had a bandage around his head and also all over his nose and it was quite unsightly. And, but he said uh, to me, he said, well, why miss dinner just because you have a bandage on your nose? No, <laughs> Good that's, yeah. That's an attitude of a person in their 80s who says has a very, is very different from in your 50s, where if you had a bandage on your nose, you might not go to the party, you know, which is ridiculous, you know, in a certain sense. So in some ways, you could dismiss the minor things. I mean, who cares about crow's feet? Who cares about wrinkles? I mean, what we, what we care about is human connection. And I think so much of our culture is telling us, puts us into a mindset of shame when we have some sign of age. And so this, I think, is to be uh, confronted and seen as not, you know, something to be dismissed as best you can, because in terms of what really matters, uh, aging is normal. And there's a beauty in old age, people that have aged, that's what um, I really believe that and see it now much, you know, that people, no matter how old they retain something that some something that's essential about their humanity. And um, so we need to be looking beyond the pimples and the crow's feet and the and the uh, whatever uh, minor disabilities that come with uh, as the years come to wait pimples are you saying we go back to pimples no but if you, you, you <laughs> that came not, out of nowhere Catherine <laughs> no, not, not pimples but blemishes will say oh, okay okay no that was really funny I was like wait a minute no I I, I, I heard it too no it's uh, facial blemishes get more common but in, in your aging you know, don't you but, think we're harder on um, women as they age than men in terms of well, looks I mean Absolutely, and we're and women are harder on themselves, and it it really is ridiculous. Uh, and you know, I think if we can, and I think women get uh, are taught to be uh, to, that their their beauty matters, and it does matter when you're in your, but it and it matters even in, in you know here there in my retirement community, there's people that are that are beautiful and lovely, and other people that it aren't, but but it it isn't the most important and. Uh, I always think try now for, for people to see the beauty in a 90-year-old person. Um, the Japanese have this art called kintsugi, which is uh, when they a, a, a pottery bowl breaks. They put it together with this golden f filler, and um, so it looks like it has lines, golden lines all the way through it. And in this, uh, it's an art uh, to kind of create this these golden pathways on the broken out of the broken shards and they think that the the uh, repaired pottery is more beautiful than the original and if you get in that mindset you can see that to, it's more interesting and the kind of beauty of the old really old people is uh, has a, such soul to it and i think we all need some new eyes to re be appreciative of what old can be and uh, what older people can be. Oh, we completely agree with you. Um, I, I have an interesting question. I, at least I think it's interesting. What stood out to you about the things that made some of the 80 plus people you interviewed happier than others? Very good question. Well, I think that, uh, you know, if you don't have uh, dementia, it's, it's good, you know. But I think that um, the things that matter, um, the, 
the people that were really the happiest, I think, had a focus or a purpose uh, that was beyond uh, their doing, you know, most of us have routines, exercise, you know, a little uh, connect, playing cards or doing doing this or that. But it is the people that really had something that they uh, either they were uh, doing uh, uh, say art doing were uh, were artists or they were doing writing something people were that were writing a, a book or a memoir people that were um, working uh, some a lot of people work in their hospitals or the soup kitchens or some other uh, uh, place uh, and that if they have some something they're doing that that they're that they love doing either creative or for other people to doing something then I think uh, that gives the added lift, and uh, is and so often I, I've written quite a bit about how we all need a purpose, and you know, um, I learned this from a writer who was in Auschwitz, uh, and he found out that when he there the people that lived were not the heftiest hunks of uh, and big most physically able people but it was the people that had something to live for that you know, they had to do that uh, and that they had a kind of a mission in mind and that they had to wanted to care about and um, and they did better in Auschwitz and today I think in, in age old age people do better when they're they're They've got a project, uh, a focus, uh, uh, a mission. Would you say uh, also that includes work? Because I know until recently, didn't you work? I did. I I retired just about a year ago, next, last November, from my uh, from my practice, uh, my psychotherapy practice. Um, but I I still have a, a mission. Now I have a mission. is It's redefined. I, I found that as I was getting uh, to be uh, 87, uh, it, it was a, even though my practice was smaller, I was doing this writing. I was right had uh, I was writing blogs and uh, giving talks on uh, aging well. That it, it was a little much. So I, I gave up the practice sadly, but I gave it up. But now I still have the mission, which is. I want to get out the the good news about aging that there's so much uh, good news that we don't know. Um, the average person, uh, I think, is unaware of some of the modern research um, about old age, and I want to get people reframing. Re, uh, it's really a revolution in thinking about old age and. Uh, so I could say a few things that I think are important about this good news that people don't know is, you know, we all know about modern medicine, that our lives are completely different than our grandparents and great grandparents with drugs and new hips and new legs and now cancer treatments that can prolong our lives and heart treatments that have been revolutionized in just the last five years, you know, so that less intrusive, but more effective. So we have modern medicine, we have uh, new research on the aging brain. We know now that our brain can learn and we can heal ourselves that, uh, you know, that we're, there's this quality neuroplasticity that means that we don't lose our brain cells, you know, year after year and gradually get into decline, that life shouldn't be seen as you go along until you're 40 or 50 and then you drop down and go, it's all downhill. Life is gradual development <clears throat> as long as you live uh, uh, in people can get wiser and uh, more compassionate and so on. 
And so that's another gift. And then, uh, you know, there's uh, just so many possibilities of continuing to work um, that we've never had before. The possibilities are almost endless. So um, that it, uh, it, it that uh, then there's the whole thing that people, uh, uh, you know, that there are losses. So I don't want to underestimate that, but there's all these gifts. And so I think that people are, can look forward to being pain-free and active. Many people will live many, many years like that. And so it's easy to be pretty happy. So that's the end of that little spiel. No, no, no. It's really very, very interesting. And I, I have to tell you, the more you talk, the more questions I have. I know we don't have you endlessly today, but I hope if this isn't too painful, you'll come back because I'm actually taking notes on questions that I, I will want to ask you in the future. Um, it's really, really interesting. And I think it's really important also to get your book out there. Um, I think people just don't think about it. They don't think about these things until they're there probably. But right. um, I think it would be helpful yeah. to people like us. Honestly, a lot of what you're saying, I don't know what you think, Ava, but I'm thinking, you know what? I need to listen to you and listen to your book, even though I'm not in my 80s yet. I don't need to wait until my 80s to realize that those things are important. And I think it would be really good for me now. So, um, and in fact, to our audience, we will put all the information on how you can, you know, order her, her book, um, I guess online. It's probably in all these places, Barnes and Noble and, you know, Amazon and stuff. And we'll put links for all of that. Catherine, please tell us again the name of the book. The title is 80 somethings. Yeah. A practical guide to letting go, aging well, and finding unexpected happiness. But 80-somethings will get you there. It's on Amazon. Great. We encourage everyone to get out and buy Catherine's book. And we also encourage you to ask any questions you have for Catherine because we're going to beg her to come back. And you can post them here or you could post them in our Facebook group or in our Instagram group, both called Old Cow Podcast. You're listening to the Old Cow Podcast, diving deep into life after 40. Check out the Old Cow store on Facebook or at oldcowllc.myshopify.com. You'll find discounts and exclusive savings. Now back to the show with your hosts, Jill and Ava. I'm glad that you find this interesting. I do think it's, it's so, you know, that we take for granted that those negative stereotypes are true and have true and they're not certainly they're not totally false but they're not they're not in anywhere near the the full truth about what life is about and i think uh, this revolution uh, of what aging can be is, is something that people don't know much about they still hold on you know the the culture holds on to the the negative perceptions right Catherine, um, uh, Jill and I, we, we've been reading uh, about your uh, story and we know that uh, sadly you were widowed. And um, if you don't mind me asking, we're wondering what you or maybe others of a similar age are thinking about pursuing romantic relationships. Yeah, well, my husband died about eight years ago um, and... Uh, I, you know, it was devastating. He'd been sick for three years and, and it was like, and he, we'd had a very happy marriage. It had its ups and downs, but we were very happy. He was, uh, you know, uh, wonderful. Uh, 
so I was uh, in a uh, feeling that life was over, and it kind of I was that it, I, I did have that image. I mean, it was going downhill now, and it, I probably would never be as happy as I had been in the past. And that hasn't turned out to be true because uh, a few years ago we, I was in a support group, and uh, with, uh, with there were three of us that had a, we're all losing our spouses, and then eventually lost them. But it turns out that uh, the the guy in the group, uh, he and I started having dinner together and we became partners and so we went through the depression together and it's been a very happy loving relationship and um, romantic too and um, uh, so I think that and I see it and I'm in a retirement community I see it all around me that you know people do pair off that the there's again something for many people not everybody uh, but a lot of people do better with a partner and um, so in, in uh, where I am, when we became a partner, you could see everyone was happy for us. Uh, and it was just a, a very, uh, uh, people take pleasure in love, I think, and seeing it uh, in others, they, they like it. And uh, so I've been fortunate. And um, so it's uh, uh, very nice. We, um, the, Peter and I live together now, and um, he's still... Uh, has his apartment, which he goes up to as it has his office, but uh, for doing, but, and it, it's just, I think that people can love, and I've talked to so many other people that have found new partners, and um, it's uh, part of the, again, human flexibility and uh, resiliency that uh, people uh, do heal themselves and recover if they, and if you grieve fully, then I think you kind of clear the way for new relationships. Sometimes I think, uh, you know, grandchildren have been called the romance of old age. And in a certain sense, many people, uh, you put a lot of energy when they're my age into their grandchildren. And that's another way of uh, connecting with uh, deeply with a few people. I'm so shocked still listening to you say that you're living in sin. I'm sorry, I can't even recover. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm kidding, but do you find that uh, marriage is less important at your age to people? Um, not maybe not to you, but to other people. Do you feel like that's well, not think, as important? There's a, well, there's only been one marriage. I've been here eleven years in this community, and there's only been one marriage. I think it's because it's complicated with if you have children and grandchildren, and uh, sometimes it sounds crass, but it's fi some people it's finances. Others, for me, it is. Well, I had uh, my husband, I had my family, I have my grandchildren. And um, th there doesn't seem to be any reason to, to get married at this point. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's complicated. So, uh, but I mean, I that think makes sense, particularly because of finances. Did you find, though, in interviewing people that some people enjoyed being alone, in some cases, maybe for the first time? There are a lot of people, I'm assuming your age, who went from home to being married and never lived on, you know, his or her own. I mean, today that's very common for kids to go out and live on on their own. But I I mean, when you were younger was, I mean, I don't know what you did, but it was more common to go from home to marriage. No, so, I was very typical of my generation. I was, right. I got married in, my, in the middle of my senior year in college and I was 21. That's and so young. I, yes, now it is, but I, I, I so I do think, of, Many people don't need a partner. That you're absolutely right. They and they flourish because they've, especially women, have always been taking care of right. somebody. 
wasn't putting somebody else's needs ahead of their own. So I think it for some, I, I think I first learned about the potential for old age from when I was at about 50. And I, I, my, my husband was at a school and there was this visiting woman who had given a, a scholarship for a, a found a, a, anyhow, she was financing a faculty member and she used to come to the school and visit and she talked about how when her husband died, it gave her a tremendous boost. She took up, she decided to become a pilot. She decided to uh, take, but learn how to do photography. She took uh, her grandchildren on uh, camping trips in the Sierra. And, and it was just, uh, I saw this amazing blooming, but um, so I don't think, uh, but, but I think, uh, you know, people are different. Some people could bloom in a relationship, others bloom with having that uh, time to devote to, to their own creativity. So uh, whatever it is, it, it's good when you see the blooming in old age. Oh, how lovely. I'm so happy for you. And, and uh, it's uh, encouraging. It's encouraging. Uh, certainly, I feel encouraged by what you said. Oh, well, thank you. That's that sound. I'm glad that it's been encouraging. That's what I, I, I do think there's so much good news. And I'm, you know, as I said, it's my mission to get out the, the the, re the reality that there really is more than we've thought. We, um, when we talk to our guests, we, uh, we always finish with um, a couple of questions that we think are quite fun and, and uh, seem to be fairly entertaining. So if it's okay with you, Catherine, I would like sure. to ask you, um, is there something that your parents never talked to you about that you wish they had? Well, I, you know, uh, my parents never talked to me about uh, my career. My, uh, they were always uh, sort of assuming that uh, I would just be, get married and have children and that would be it. And uh, I, I wish that somebody had suggested that I might really wanted to, I mean, I have loved working and I, no, I didn't get any suggestions on that. It was, a, you know, I could have picked up, but I do, I do yeah. wish they said. Perhaps me, that's if, the generational thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. My mother didn't work and, um, and uh, she did a lot of volunteer things, but uh, sure. so I was so surprised by the pleasures of work that uh, it was just, uh, I was bowled over by it. Great. Um, I guess for better or worse, there are personality traits that we inherit from our parents. Um, yeah. Is there something that you inherited that you wish you hadn't? Oh, that's an interesting question. I know. Well, you're not prepared for these questions, so <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, um, you know, I think um, my mother was, uh, I, I was interesting. My mother was very shy and uh, so in, in sort of lacked self-confidence and i was actually always much more like my father but i did have an ability to kind of lose my self-confidence and you know and and it be very uh not that and i would sort of go into uh lack of self-confidence which was just like and i'd act like my mother you know right and uh so it was yeah. always there and it's lurk lurking to this day you know i if i'm doing a speech or something i i don't go out i don't think oh well, this will be uh, easy, I, you know, I, I kind of get into my mother and think, oh, my goodness, you know, what? I don't you know, what, yeah, what, yeah. what if? Yeah. Uh, is there something about you that you got from your parents that you are happy about? 
Oh yeah, I got a lot of great great stuff. Of I think I got a very you know a, a sunny and uh, optimistic, and they say it's inherited, you know. And I think I got the optimism in strongly, and so I feel very um, you know I do feel hearty, and I feel uh, and I feel uh, optimistic, and that's sort of just part of who I am. Oh, that's and, a great trait. Positivity is a great strength. Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful. For that. Um, well, our final fun question, do, do you recall what was your favorite childhood toy or game and do you still have it? Oh, that's another, yeah, you, somebody was clever when they thought of these questions. Um, thank you, Catherine. Why? Thank you. No, thank you, Catherine. No, really, I, thank you. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite game was I used to love uh you know, in the neighborhood, and this is not, they had, we used to have, you know, kick the can and um, hide and seek. And I just loved those kinds of games where we were all out in the neighborhood. And, and uh, now, of course, I don't have it with me, but um, I yeah. do. Well, I, do I can, that. yes, you know, late 50s, and we were always outside in a group. And, you know, there was never any isolation. We were always yeah. out doing things together. On the street in the neighborhood, yeah. 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 But I do have a favorite game that I play now. I'll just add to that. When I, I play with my partner, we have a game that two people can play. It's a kind of a three-dimensional uh, Scrabble, it's called Upwards, and it's quite competitive. And we so we got through the pandemic playing Upwards every night. Uh, That's for, a hard game. We play that. Yeah, do you? Yeah, it's fun. I think it's really good, and it lasts. It's not boring. That's good, you know. It, I haven't heard of this one, Jill. You have to show me. I will. Yes. No. Um. Actually, Ava's coming to visit. Um. In the states, and maybe we will take a ride up to meet you. That would be really fun, actually, Catherine. Good. I welcome you. So. And check out this boyfriend. I hope he's listening. He. he <laughs> he's not. He's been kicked out of the uh, apartment. He's, he's upstairs in his office doing uh, paperwork now. So. That's great. It was so great talking to you. And as I said, I already have so many more questions, as I'm sure the audience will. So I hope you will come back. I will be glad to come back. So I, I've enjoyed it, too. And it was great to meet you both. Thank you so much. That was so good. It's so interesting. I'm going to read the book. There are four. Oh, there I am, too. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Show your support by subscribing and receive exclusive behind-the-scenes episodes. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review if you liked what you heard and think others should check us out so that we can reach more people over 40 like us. Follow us on Facebook at Old Cow LLC and join the Old Cow Podcast Group on Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to future episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Check back every Monday for new episodes. Have a great week, everyone. And remember, old is not a fact. It's a state of mind. This podcast is produced and edited by Allison Zhang and is a product of Old Cal Media. It is hosted by Jill Loris and Ava Lancaster.